Two Kids and a Career is a production of Jill Divine Media. You know, our more affluent communities are getting more, and that makes no sense to me. Why are our low-income communities getting less? Um, it's a problem. It's a major problem. It goes back to something that I am I continue to wrestle with because I remember a former boss had said to me one time, Jill, you're you're always worried about playing fair, and it's just different. And I guess for you know my type of personality, it ha- it still takes some things for me to realize what that fair is. Two Kids in a Career is brought to you by Blondin Real Estate. They're a family-owned boutique-style brokerage with over 40 years of experience serving the counties that surround St. Louis. See the properties they have to offer at BlondinRealEstate.com. That's BlondinRealEstate.com. Hi there and welcome to Two Kids in a Career. I'm Jill Devine. As an entrepreneur, wife, and mama, the daily grind of trying to build a business while taking care of kids and trying to maintain a healthy connection with my hubby, it's a lot. With this podcast, you're going to hear candid conversations with other moms, parenting experts who can share their knowledge and insight, or you'll just hear me rambling to get it all out. There's going to be tears, there's going to be laughter, but most importantly, there will be support. Take a listen and connect with me so we can grow and learn from one another. This is Two Kids and a Career. Welcome to another episode of Two Kids and a Career. And don't forget to stick around till the very end for that super mom shout out. And at that time, I'll also let you know how you submit a nomination for a super mom because you know you know one and it may be you and you can self-nominate. So stick around for that. So this is going to be kind of, um, well, my guest this week, I really wanted on because of what she's doing for the community. And you know that I am all about supporting and helping the community. But as a side note, it's kind of funny because um, it has to do with vision. And I will tell you that I have been a gold star student all the way up until this year when it comes to vision. So I thought it would be funny to kind of joke around about that with this week's guest. Kate McKern, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you. Now, I know you are not an ophthalmologist, but you are an executive director at iThrive, and you definitely know about vision. So I thought it would be kind of funny to to tell you that I I now have to do the readers and um, I am surprised I didn't break down when I was at the doctor because it's been a big joke in our family. My husband has terrible eyesight. And so every time I would come home from my annual checkup, I'd be like, yep, I passed again. I'm perfect. And I can't say that anymore. And uh, it, it's hard to admit and I'm dealing with it. I know. I feel you. I feel like I am very quickly approaching that reader's stage as well, or maybe should have already <laughs> hit the bullet and done it. But, uh, but yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. It, it's a hard pill to swallow sometimes. I mean, I remember when it first started and I went out to dinner with some friends and my uh, friend's husband was like, oh, my gosh, you're getting so old. And I said, oh, just shut up. Put these on and look at the menu. <laughs> and he put them on and he looked at the menu and he immediately took them off because he was like, oh, damn, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to do that and get that. I was like, yep. So there's karma for you. Don't talk bad about it. Um, it is crazy, though, like the when you think about vision, I mean, I think sometimes people definitely take it for granted. But it is one of those, 
I know for me, when I, since I haven't had issues my whole life, that once they did provide the right strength for my readers and and the, my ability to work on the computer and the phone and reading, I mean, it's crazy how there can be people that go like this for their whole life and they don't get it fixed. It's just, oh, it, it, it makes me sad. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, and, and your perspective is, is different, I think, than um, most, right? Because you've had good vision most of your life. And now, it, it, so you know what to compare it to. So like you right. knew you needed readers because you knew what clear sight was. Um, and, and that doesn't happen a lot, especially with our, with our younger kids. Um, they don't know that they can't see because they've just never seen well. Uh. And so it's very hard to identify that. Um, so, and it's a really big problem. Yeah, it affects everything. So I wanted to get you on to talk about this because having two little ones myself, I know it's important to make sure that their screenings happen. I, I, there are people that will tell me, <laughs> I laugh because sometimes I'm like, man, I'm I'm excelling in some things and in other things, I'm definitely not. But when people are like, your girls go to the dentist and your girls get an annual eye checkup at their young age, A, I do it because I want them to get used to it. That's like one of the primary reasons of going to the dentist is hey, start them now so that they won't be scared of that chair when it comes time or that their first visit as a child isn't when they have, um, you know, something tragic happen to their mouth. And then B, of course, I am so thankful that I get to meet people like you where I learn, oh my gosh, we got to do this soon. We got to do this sooner than later because the quicker we can diagnose anything, the better for them in the long run. So I understand the importance of that and the importance with my girls. It's not just um, the routine visit with the pediatrician, which is fine. Um, but I also take it to the to the next level with the expert in that field and try to make sure that they're thriving as best as they can. Um, I guess that's thriving goes right into <laughs> I thrive. I want to know a little bit more about your kiddos and family life, but let's first start with the position that you have as the executive executive director at I thrive and, and how you got there and what I thrive is all about. Yeah. Well, you know, in my past life, um, prior to joining the I thrive team, I was an inner city school teacher. So I taught for about 12 years um, and it was really that experience um, that made me realize like the impact a pair of glasses can have. Um, I had a student my last year here in, in, in St. Louis Public Schools um, who was just really struggling, you know, came in with a lot of referrals, out of school suspensions before starting fifth grade with me and was on some ADHD medication. And most significantly, he was reading two grade levels below. So he was actually reading at a third grade reading level coming into fifth grade. And so quickly I realized um, he couldn't see. He couldn't, it didn't matter how close I got him to the board or how close, you know, how close he held his book. He 
just couldn't see. And so I worked with his mom and we got him um, an exam and glasses and it was like an instantaneous change. Uh, by the end of the fifth grade year, he was reading at a sixth grade reading level. Wow. He was off his medication, off his ADHD medication, and he was just truly thriving. And it's just, it's it's such a small thing, right? I call it like a tool. It's such a simple tool that makes such a huge difference. And, you know, it, it wasn't his fault. He didn't know. He didn't know he couldn't see because that's all he's seen. And he wasn't getting vision screenings at school because a lot of the, you know, you know, our, our inner city schools are very under-resourced. And so often those things are slipping through the cracks. Um, and it was just one of those things, you know, with all of the other you know, outliers out there, you know, behavior and, um, you know, this ADHD diagnosis, it was, it was never, we didn't take it far enough back to just say like, could it just be this basic need that hasn't been fulfilled? And that was his vision. Well, that was, I'm interrupting because that is the burning question I have. When you say that he was suspended and the ADHD and all that, is it a, an act of him acting out because he's frustrated or how I know you're not a psychologist, but mm-hmm. how did they work together? Because that's very interesting to me. Yeah. It, and it was always very interesting for me as a teacher. And yes, to answer your question, it, it you know, kids get frustrated. If, if you can't see, you can't learn. And so what, you know, we're not setting him up for success. So like, what else does he have to do? Right. So he's trying to get attention in a different way. Um, and so you, I, I saw that a lot, not just with him, but with many of my kiddos, um, you know, behavior was, there was an underlying reason why a behavior was happening. So in this case, it was his vision. Wow. Wow. Okay. So you see this situation, you help him out, and then what's next for you? Like, I, you know, it was interesting. Uh, I was at the moment in my life, we had just relocated back to St. Louis, um, and I, my daughter was one. And, you know, I'd been teaching for 12 years. I loved my kids. I've always called them my kids. Um, mm-hmm. And, but I also knew I had my own kiddo, and it was starting to kind of, you know, there's just so much you take on as a teacher, especially, um, as a teacher in a, in a high need school. And it was just emotionally exhausting. And so I needed to be there for my own child, the way I was there for my kids at school. And so, um, I made the decision that I needed, I needed to change. I needed, I needed to, uh, see what else would better work with that. Um, and so this opportunity became available, um, and I've, I've known of this organization my whole life. So I've, I've been a part of it, you know, from, you know, kind of like a volunteer aspect. Um, and, but they were looking for a, uh, director of resource development. And so I started there and then quickly <laughs> moved mm-hmm. up and, um, became executive director. And so now I've been here for about four years. Okay. So tell me about iThrive and for those not familiar with iThrive and what you do and how you help the community. So we have three different programs. Our main program is our mobile vision clinic program. And so we have a uh, 38-foot RV that travels all around 
the St. Louis community and kiddos come on board. We have a pre-testing area where they get pre-tested just like anyone would if they were to go to, you know, a Clarkson Eye Care or something like that. And then we have two full optometric exam lanes on board where they receive a full comprehensive eye exam. And in this case, you know, we're it's not just looking for, it would be what considered a, a basic refraction. A refraction only exam would be just to identify what the prescription is that's needed. Our exam is a comprehensive exam. So we're looking at the eye health. Um, and, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but a lot of different things can be diagnosed through your eyes. Um, and so we take a full look um, and make sure that everything's looking good and healthy. And then if they need a if they need glasses, which most of them do, um, they get to pick right there. We have over 200 frames on board, all brand new designer frames. And and that's actually my favorite part of it because, mm -hmm. you know, they're there by themselves, which is fun. There's no one else telling them what they have to pick or which one looks best. It's totally their choice. And it's very, very empowering um, for them. And so then we have a lab on board. And so we just take the frames they selected and hand them over to our optical manager. And they um, cut the prescription lenses to fit right inside the frame that they've selected. And then we get to put them on. And, and so the child puts them on for the first time, often seeing clearly for the very first time, which is always just the best moments. Um, and, and then they walk off the vehicle, ready to go back to class and learn. Um, yeah. So it's all in about, you know, 30 minutes. And absolutely free. Absolutely free. And uh. the best of the best free, right? It just, I think there's sometimes like a, connotation that goes along with like providing free services, right? So it's, they're not used frames, for example. Okay. Um, they are high quality, you know, they're, we have Nike, we have Kohan, we, I mean, Juicy, every kind of frame um, that a child could want, like we have it. And I've had kiddos come on and look at me after they put on their glasses and one little guy in particular, I remember from East St. Louis looked up at me after he got his glasses and he said, thank you. And I said, Oh, you're welcome. I'm just so happy you love them. He goes, no, thank you. This oh. is the nicest thing I've ever owned. And then he walked off and it's just like, wow. <laughs> it's glasses. It's glasses. Like and, and, and he, it's more than just being able to see now. Like he walked off proud. He walked off confident. Um, that's where our whole name and our whole logo comes from. Um, it's the empowerment that comes with that pair of glasses. Like the student in my classroom, he can now read. It's more than just the glasses. And so that's I mean, what I love the most. <laughs> I have like, so many questions as I always do. Um, I feel like the situation with vision, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like it's not pushed like it should be. Like, oh, I need to go get my eyes checked every year, or, oh, I should probably get my eyes checked. Like, it's just these little things. I, I remember also going in last year, oh, I don't know, maybe it was a couple years ago, uh, our oldest had pink eye and I knew exactly what it was. And so I called the exchange for the pediatrician and I said, because I knew that they didn't want to see her. I knew that she would not be allowed to go in there. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I know it's 
pink eye. It's been in her class. Da, 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 da. We do the prescription. Okay, move on. Well, I was having, or I think I was going into get my annual checkup. And I remember talking to the doctor saying, you know, how fast could this come? Like, could I get it? Can you tell if I'm going to get it? And he just started laughing. And he said, you know, you can come to us if there's ever any eye irritants. And I said, what? And he goes, yeah, I mean, we'll prescribe the ointments for you. Like, why wouldn't I think that if any of us have pink eye that I have to automatically call my doctor. Like I could call my eye doctor. Like, doesn't that make more (laughs) sense? And so my whole ramble about that is just that I don't feel like we are treating our vision like we are our overall health. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. It does. And I mean, statistically it's, it's been shown. I mean, I can, you know, I can rattle them off. Like 90% of low-income kids who need glasses do not have them. It's unfortunate. Yeah. 80% of kids that are deemed reading disabled um, do, you know, have um, an eye care concern, have lack, you know, limited vision. Some of them corrected, some of them not. But yeah, it's just, there's definitely a connection. And the thing that just really blows me away about it in terms of the, what we do is it's so simple, right? It's just a pair of glasses. Right. Right. Okay. So back to being a teacher and what you notice. So it is a privilege for me that my kids are in a situation where there is free eye screening. Um, I didn't honestly think about how beneficial and and privileged that we are to have that opportunity at their school. Honestly, did not like when it happens, you know, when they say, okay, they're going to come sign the form. Okay, great. That's awesome. It's a second set of eyes to look at my child. But wow. Until you said it, I don't think I, I didn't, I didn't realize how beneficial and how privileged we are to have that in our school. So the resource for that, like you said, is not readily available in the inner city schools. And is it just because you, there's not the funds? Like, how do we change this? How do we create a different situation? I think it's it's a variety of things. I mean, I could <laughs> we could dive deep into the uh, educational <laughs> systems in our city, state, and country for sure. But that's another episode. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely at least another one, maybe at two. At least. Um, but you know, I think it's a combination of things. And without getting too far into it, you know, one of it is one thing is you know it's a funding issue. The other thing I think is it's a staffing issue. I know mm-hmm. when I taught in SLPS. Um, we had one nurse that was split between two to three schools. There was not like a full-time nurse and the turnover rate is just, you know, you go through a couple nurses a year. And so there's just not staff to do the screenings. Um, And, you know, the other piece of it too, and this is something that I think about a lot now that I'm a mother, I think, you know, your perspective on things obviously changes a lot, but in, in this situation, You know, I I try to think of myself in the situation some of our families and our parents are in. Um, And, you know, if I, I I am obviously very 
I'm very privileged and I will acknowledge that. And, um, I am lucky to have, you know, a job that can support my children and be able to provide what they need. Um, but if I was a mom, you know, who was on a limited budget and I had to choose between putting food on the table and getting my kid a pair of glasses, I know what I would choose. Yeah. And, you know, if, if it's expensive, you know, and it's just not like when you have to make, when you have to make those, those decisions and prioritize what's most important, you know, unfortunately, I think I care isn't at the top of the list. And I totally understand why, like, it's not anyone, you know, that parent's fault, but it's just, we need more services, um, like, like ours, um, that can go and provide that free of charge. Um, parent doesn't have to take any time off work because we just come directly to their child's school, which is another big barrier, um, that a lot of parents face is getting the time off to take their kid to get an eye exam. Um, and I mean, we have one vehicle right now. We have one mobile vision clinic and the wait list that we have in terms of scheduling visits is just massive. We book the, the upcoming year. Um, we're pretty much, we will start opening up our schedule in March for the 21, 22 school year. And I guarantee it'll be filled by April. So there's so many more, like we could get three mobile vision clinics out there and you know, the, the, the need is tremendous. And so just being able to get out there and help and support and also being able to help. The other piece that we started last year was a screening program. So rather than, because we know, and I know this too, just from my personal perspective, I know how, how much is on the nurse's plate already. And if we can go in and provide the screening for everybody, then why don't, why don't we do that? And so we did. Um, last school year, we provided over 10,000 vision, vision screenings. Um, and it, it allowed us then to identify more kids that were failing their vision screening and then who ultimately needed that eye exam. So those types of services are definitely would help a lot. So how do we get more mobile units? Is that through donations? Is that, uh, how do we do that? Yeah, it's, it's really through donations. Obviously it's the initial cost of the clinic. Um, and then, the staff um, to maintain it. You know, our, our vehicles go out, our vehicles out today with our optometrist, um, our optical manager and our operations specialist. And they're actually out right now at Cahokia. And um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's more than just like a one-time cost, right? So it's the upkeep, it's the maintenance, it's, it's the staffing both on board the vehicle and back here at the office um, in terms of, uh, scheduling and and then the the other piece is we have a replacement program that we also operate back here at our office, and this one is also very near and dear to my heart because kids break their glasses, they lose their glasses sometimes in the middle of the night. A kid is going to need to move for whatever reason, and they don't remember to grab their glasses, and now they're gone. And um, I am very proud that we have a no questions asked free replacement program. If any child breaks or loses their glasses for whatever reason, it doesn't matter. Um, We will make and ship a brand new pair of glasses directly to their house. That's so awesome. Okay. So I have more questions, but (laughs) anyone that is like, compelled right now. I want to give, I want to do something. Should they just go to iThrive.org? 
Yes. They okay. can go to iDrive.org. We have, obviously you can make an online donation there or, you know, if there is, you know, or they can give me a call here at the office, you know, send an email, be happy to chat about lots of different opportunities that we have for, you know, in, in terms of like funding opportunities. Okay. What's your phone number and also the email? Yeah. So the phone number here is 314-736-1400. And anyone can email me directly. My name is Kate, K-A-T-E, McKern, M-C-K-E-A-R-N at iThrive.org. And I will have all of that on the show notes at JillDevine.com. I wanted to dive into the health issues as far as I thrive and how that is connected. So I know you said the screenings and they can get the glasses right then and there. And then if the child, there's something more than just putting those glasses on so that they can see, what are the next steps as far as that goes? So this is something else we've really grown over the past several years. We have a referral program. So if our optometrist sees something um, that is concerning, either with the eye or relating to the eye, um, we will they will write a referral for follow-up care. And then immediately following the visit, we will fax that referral to um, one of our partners, um, we, which is UMSL, SLU, and WashU, and to their pediatric ophthalmology um, departments. And they will then reach out directly to that parent to schedule their child for a follow-up appointment. Um, We then also follow up with the parent. We just make sure um, they have everything they need to get to that appointment. If there's anything else they need from us, if they're having difficulty scheduling the appointment, you know, whatever it is. But we reach out to them just to make sure that they are able to get that follow-up care for their child. And then the once the child does receive the follow-up care, they then um, communicate with us as to, you know, what what the plan of care is, what, what are the next steps for that child. So I believe in being completely transparent and honest. And I will tell you that, as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, I was excited to talk to you because of the work that's being done in the community, but I didn't realize I was going to be this fired up, that I was going to be so, my, my, my brain is just working like, oh my gosh, what about this? What about that? What about this? I really, truly didn't know that was going to take place in this episode. And I think to your point, it's probably because I am a mom now and um, and maybe because, too, I, like you said, I have had perfect vision and now I know the difference. So I can't even imagine what a child, even in my situation where it's not even that bad, but a child that even if they have what's going on with me right now and they popped on a pair of glasses like what the world looks like for them. It it just, I I don't know, like I am so moved by this. And I think the other aspect that keeps going in my mind, and again, we talked about this, this is like a couple other episodes. I've been doing a, a lot more research on schools and listening to different podcasts about 
a number of things, like why certain things exist in the school system or why is the funding not so great here? I mean, just a variety of things, because again, going back to being a parent, it's like, wow, why are these kids given this opportunity and these kids aren't? And 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 yes, that is definitely a whole another episode. But I just, I just, I, I always go back to the fair. I, I I want it to be equal. I know that that's a very very naive statement, but I just want. I don't even know how to word what I'm trying to say. It's just, it just sucks. Like it really does suck that a mom or dad has to choose groceries over their child's health at some point or in some situations. And I don't know. I'm just, I'm just really bothered by that. It's obviously like it's, it's bothersome. Like it's, it's heartbreaking. Um, you, I, I know the pain that I feel when my child is just, you know, sick with an earache or right. you know, something like that. And I just, I really just, I, I try as often as possible, you know, whenever I'm like feeling really overwhelmed or, you know, just have all the things going on back here at the office, um, I stop and I go out to the, the, the clinic and I just go on board and I just hang out on there for a little bit and interact with the kids because it just, it grounds me and it reminds me why we're doing what we're doing and that we are making a difference. Um, and it's, you know, there's, when I I think about what you said about like wanting it to be fair and wanting it to be equal and like, it's something I did in my classroom. It, It was this concept of fair isn't always equal. Yeah. And it's the thought of like each child gets what they need. So like I would do this scenario, this role play where I was the doctor and the kids would have a piece of paper with an ailment. So they would come up to the doctor and they would say, hey, my, you know, I have a finger, uh, a hangnail. And I'd be like, oh, here's a cast. We treat everyone here at the hospital the exact same way. And so you need a cast. And then the next kid comes up and is like, I have a broken arm. Well, okay. We treat everyone here the same. That's what being fair means. Um, you have a cast and then someone has, you know, a cough, same thing. And it becomes very clear to them, like, well, that's not fair. I'm like, well, why is that not fair? I'm treating everybody exactly the same. And it's like, no, like I can't feel any better with a cast if I have a cough. And it's like, oh, okay. So then what is fair? And it's the whole conversation of fair is different for each person. And it's not always going to look the same. And I think we need to start thinking about it in terms of the services and the support we are providing our schools and our children and the families of our children. They may need, some parents may need more than another parent. And that's okay. So let's be fair and help them get those services. Um, it's something I'm, obviously you can tell I'm getting a little fired up here, but I'm just very passionate. And I just feel that it's the opposite right now. You know, our more affluent communities are getting more. And that makes no sense to me. Um, Why are low-income communities getting less? Um, It's a problem. It's a major problem. And my gosh, that was a great scenario. Like that, it it goes back to um, something that I I continue to wrestle with because I remember a, a former boss had said to me one time, Jill, you're you're always worried about playing fair and it's just different. And I guess 
for you know my type of personality because everybody's different it it ha- it still takes some things for me to realize what that fair is and there have been a number of things that have happened and so i i maybe i kind of like associate fair too with gray like everything is not black and white there's a lot of gray and the the minute you kind of start to realize that and realize you can't have the same rules for every single person i don't know maybe it'll bring a little bit of peace i don't know i'm again i'm still grappling with that and and wrestling with that but what you just said that it really does hit home i mean it does because it's one of those that you have to think about people with my personality maybe how you describe fair or get it to to get them to understand and so that's something we have to talk about with adults <laughs> to talk about with lawmakers and decision makers and things like that. And um, yeah, we definitely have a ways to go mm-hmm. in society. If it wasn't, I mean, it was my first class in, in Chicago public schools. It's taught on the South side of Chicago, uh, 69th and Merrill O'Keefe elementary school. And I, you know, I was, gosh, how old was I? 22. I was straight out of college uh, with a psychology degree and joined Teach for America and did a summer uh, student teaching in, in Compton, LA, and then just went right into this classroom. And though my kids taught me more about myself, I am 100% positive than I ever taught them that first year. And they, they're the ones that taught me that. They, because I grew up with the, with, with the, you know, kind of connotation of, everyone gets the same amount and that's fair. And, you know, you open this many, you know, you have two gifts on Christmas and you have two yes. gifts on Christmas. It doesn't matter if one of those gifts is a bike and one of, and the other one's getting two books. Right. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's one of the things my, my kiddos there taught me. Um, but it's, it, it's one of those things. It's just, you don't, at least I didn't, I didn't realize until I lived it until I saw it until you know, my kids showed me and yeah. Well, you're definitely a special person that was put in the place that you are for a reason. And I mean, I know teachers alone, it's tough job as it is. Take it even to this pandemic and everything. I can't even imagine what uh, the stress load is, but wow. I, I just, I thank you for what you're doing because you can tell that you are definitely inspired and you definitely want to create change and that inspires me and that fires me up. So yeah, thank you so much for what you're doing. It is honestly my pleasure. It is, I, I'm obviously very passionate about what I do and I love my job. I love getting to get out and see our kids and, hopefully make a long lasting impact. So I just really appreciate you providing the platform for me to share, share that passion and hopefully let more people know about the important work that we're doing and the immediate impact that others can help make happen. Well, I would love to do a follow up with you in like 
I don't know, six months, even a year, see how things are going. I and mean, we didn't even talk about your kiddos and <laughs> there's so much more to talk about. And I know we're running out of time, but again, you can contact Kate by calling 314-736-1400. Also, ithrive.org. I'll also have her email address at jilldevine.com. And I just, I, I don't have any amazing parting words I just know that there is definitely somebody listening who is inspired because of what you're doing and what you're doing to champion change. And I am just so excited to root you on and see you just keep thriving in our community. Well, thank you. And I, you know, I really appreciate your, your honesty and your candid, you know, and, you know, the first step is like, acknowledging and, and, and figuring it out. And you've already, you know, you've acknowledged that and it's, uh, it's just taking a look at it from a different vantage point. And so, but that's not something a lot of people do. So it's, it's a, it's a big process. It's a long process. And, and, you know, there's no one answer. There's no magic wand, but I think continuing to have conversations like this, um, within our own circles is what will eventually hopefully make a long lasting change. Before I get to this week's Supermom shout out, I want to remind you about Blonde and Real Estate. I think one thing that the pandemic has taught us or maybe opened our eyes to, we might need some extra space in our house. Maybe you need an office. You never expected to work from home and here you are working from home. Or maybe you just need a little bit of you time in a special place somewhere on the other side of the house. <laughs> well, let Blondin Real Estate help you find that. BlondinRealEstate.com. BlondinRealEstate.com. Let's get to this week's Supermom shout out. And it's going to Chelsea. And she has been nominated by Jim. So Jim sent an email to hello at jilldevine.com and said, my cousin Greg's wife, Chelsea from Eureka, is an exceptional young lady. For starters, she's a nurse at Mercy and she's been working nights during the pandemic all while pregnant. She's actually due in March. She's also the mom to Gus who's two, and a dog mom to their bulldog, Brock. With everything that she has going on in her professional and personal life, I don't see how she does it, and with such a positive attitude. She always puts everyone's needs above her own, and I think she deserves a little recognition. I agree, Jim. I agree. So Chelsea, I see you, and I support you. And if you want to make a nomination like Jim did, you can email me hello at jilldevine.com. All you have to do is tell me the super mom's name and where she's from and why you're shouting her out. And then she will be getting that shout out in a future episode of Two Kids in a Career. Again, hello at jilldevine.com. And if you haven't already, um, please follow along on Instagram at jilldevine. You can also find me on Twitter at jilldevine.com radio and on Facebook at Jill Divine Media. And you can always get up to date with the website jilldevine.com. And that's also where you can go and enter in your email so you can be on the email list and get the inside scoop before anybody else. It's just so easy. I'm making it so easy for you. So yeah, jilldevine.com, great place to go to get all the information and updates. And I want to thank you for supporting the podcast. Feel free to rate, review, and subscribe. I won't be mad at you for doing that. 
Thanks for listening to Two Kids and a Career.